18, um, we're going to do a series called We Are. It's just basically talking about vision and uh, the, the vision of us here at Cornerstone, what our, what our vision is and what's the importance of vision. And, uh, and so throughout the next uh, probably four weeks, we'll be talking about that because uh, there is an importance of you and I having a vision and understanding it. And, uh, and so I, I love to talk about the vision of Cornerstone So we, you know, because vision leaks. And if you don't have it in front of you, it's hard to run, run with it. And so we want to make sure we all know it and we're all around it. And there's some new things that are coming up that I definitely want to uh, talk about in the, these next four weeks. But Proverbs 19, this is real simple. Where there's no vision, uh, the people perish. And it's important for not only every church to have a vision, but also every, every person in the body uh, to have a vision that directs his or her life to give glory to God. And so when there's no really clear-cut direction, where there's no um, goal to live for, um, just what it says in, in Proverbs, that the people perish. Where there's no vision, people perish. You know, really, we as humans, if we don't have a, something to live for, because you were, you were actually placed here for a purpose. And uh, it's not just for you, it's for God and it's for others. And so um, when you don't understand that and you're not really living that, it, you, there's a hopelessness that can set in. There's a purpose. There's, you feel really that something grasps your heart, it seizes your heart, and you don't know why you're here. And it doesn't take long before people get in a pit of despair. And so it's just like what the Bible says, where there's no vision, people perish. Let me show you some other translations of that, that verse in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, there's one says that where there's no vision, the people live purposeless, meaningless lives. Where there's no vision, here's another one, the people have no sense of direction and lose their reason for living. We see that a lot. We see that a lot in people. In fact, not just, not, that doesn't mean that they have no reason to live in their physical form, but really spiritually. You know, Christians with the hell no vision um, don't make it through. You know, when some hard times come or, or, I mean, they start, you know, it's like what Paul warned Timothy about. They go into this next great thing and it's not a God thing that they go into. So you really need a vision to keep stability. Where there's no vision, people, and I love this one. This is actually a really good translation. Become lazy, dissatisfied, and sluggish. Where there's no vision, that's what happens. And where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint, become undisciplined and unproductive. You know, people need, we all need a sense of direction. And we need borders. We need guidelines. We need things that that will keep us straight and following Jesus and following His will and His purpose every day of our lives. And then a lot of times we can get off of that because there's so many things in this world that are pulling you and I away from the things of God and what God wants us to, to have. And so that's why we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, who's the what? The author uh, and the perfecter uh, or the, uh, the, of our faith. I mean, so we need to keep our eyes on Him and say, God... I want you. I desire you. I don't want these other things pulling me away. I want to. I need something to guide me. I need something to lead me. And so we need vision, even for every place in our life. So you need vision for your finances. You need vision for your marriage. You need, and this all comes from God. It's not just your vision. It's God's visions, right? It's what He has planned for you. And we need that in every part of what we do. And that gives us boundaries. That's let us know who we are and 
and what we should do and how we should do it. Like even vision for your finances. That you know that this is what God has called you to do for your finances. He's called you to, to be faithful in paying your bills. He's called you to faithful to save. He's called you to faithful to give. And, and anything that tries to come against that, you don't go for that, right? You know, these, all these other things that come, oh, I want that. You know, you're watching TV shows at night or in the afternoon, and, and you look on these things, everybody's selling. If you act now, you're going to get, you know, 20% off or half off. You know, how many of you guys ever saw that before? I remember my daughter, Julia, and, you know, she's a shopper anyway. But when she was young, she comes running on one Saturday morning into my bedroom. I'm sleeping. I haven't got up yet, but she was already up. She says, Dad, we got to call now. If we don't, we're going to miss out on 50% off. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're, you're three years old, you know. And, uh, and so she wanted to do that. So what a vision does, it keeps us where we're supposed to be. It keeps us going on the road that Christ wants us to go on in every single part of our life. So we give God control of those areas and we say, ask God, God, here, help me. You know, if you've ever done premarital counseling with me, and uh, I ask everybody in premarital counseling to have a vision for their marriage. So I have the one, one, uh, the, the spouse, uh, one of the spouses, both spouses go, go separately and they write down their vision and they come back the next week not letting anybody know what it is. And we talk about what's your heart, what you, what you feel like is God for your marriage. And then I have them come back together and uh, put one together. And this is what I always want them to do. I have them sign it. And then I want them to make copies of it and put it around their house, especially for the first year. So they know why God told them to get married. Because you know how many guys know it's not easy in marriage, right? And so you look at this, and it's like Habakkuk chapter 2 says, you write the vision down, make it plain upon tablets so the runner may read it. It's yet for an appointed time. And uh, they know this is where we're going. This is what we want to be. I want to be this type of husband. I want to be this type of wife. And uh, I may not be there yet, but this is what God's called us to be, and we're moving forward in that. And so that's what is so important to do. But what is a vision? Let's take a step back. In the Hebrew word that means vision, it means, means to see. So it's, it's an idea um, that of having this mental image that's so sharp, that's so clear, that you're able to picture it in your mind. And it's not an abstract idea where you can't grab onto it. No, you know it. You know, this is what God's called me to do. This is who God's called me to be. And this is who I am. This is what I'm going to, going to accomplish. And this is what I'm not going to accomplish. And this is, and it's so strong. You say, I see it. I get it. I, I, I love it. And this is, this is what guards you from anything else trying to come away. Because this is what happens. The enemy comes to you and says, no, 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 you need to do this. And you look at him, no, this is what God's given me. It doesn't line up to that. I'm not going to go that direction. And, or anybody else coming to you to do that. A vision for a cornerstone, and I'll talk about it here in a minute, it, it lets me know that this is who we are. And if you want us to be something else, we're just not going to be that. This is who God's called us to be. And, uh, well, I want you to be this and this. I'm saying, no, that's not who we are. And, I, and I'll go home and I'll sleep fine on that because this is who we are. We're not going to be moved by what man thinks. We're going to be moved by what God wants us to be like, right? And that's the same way in, in, in our personal vision, our personal life. I'm not going to be like the world's telling me to be. This is who God's called me to be. This is what God's called me to believe. And this is who I am. Amen? And so that keeps you in a stability. And it's an idea. You see it in your mind. You see it in your spirit. You know it. And that's who you are. You know, I was reading Exodus and, I, um, and about Moses. And you see where Moses gains vision. 
and how it totally changed his life. It changed who he was. And, uh, and, uh, and he began to hold fast to this dream. So when God gave him that purpose and fire in his heart to fulfill that, what he's called him to do, he, he became a new person. And he began to you know, grip it tightly. He knew it. He knew about it. And the devil threw all these obstacles against him. And it didn't, he didn't succeed. Why did he didn't succeed? Because he knew what he was supposed to do. He knew he, who he was. And so from reading the book of Exodus, you can, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3 too right now. Reading the book of Exodus and this whole story of Moses bringing the people out of, the promise, out, of the, out of Egypt into the promised land, we begin to see really seven qualities that started to happen in um, Moses' lives. And these are seven qualities that if you get a vision from the Lord, you know what God's called you, who you call, God's called you to be. You know what God's called you to do. These qualities are going to happen in your, in your life. And number one, and it comes out of Exodus 3.10, vision establishes identity. God is saying to Moses in Exodus 3.10, he says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God is telling Moses that he's called him to confront Pharaoh and to lead his people out of Egypt. And Moses responds, this is how Moses responds. He says, Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. You know what Moses is asking? He's, He's asking for identity. Who am I to do that? And God wanted Moses, first of all, to be established in his own identity in God. It's not so much of who you are, it's who God is. And so he started to get identity. Who am I? And God began to give him his identity that he is, he is a part of God. He's a son of God. And, and I've called you to do this, Moses. And a vision always establishes your identity. And that's so important. To know that, and especially in this world today, as you watch TV, you look at the news, you see what's going on in this place, you're not going to be moved by what's going on because you know who you are, because God's given you the identity of who you are. You're a son, you're a daughter of God, and you know what He's calling you to do, and so nothing else is going to stop you from doing that. Nothing's going to sway you because you have a vision of the Lord. The second thing a vision establishes is establishes authority. In verse 13, Moses is saying to God, Behold, when I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says, I am that I am. In other words, you tell them that the I am that I am sent you. So vision establishes authority. The authority to walk in the vision. The authority to believe for it to come to pass. And some may, may question your authority. They can question your authority all, all they want, but they can't question God's authority who gave that vision to you. Establishes authority. And when that establishes authority, you begin to build a foundation where you cannot be moved because it's based off of God and His will. Because what? Faith is where the will of God is known. You can believe for that. You can understand that. And nobody is going to be able to talk you out of it because you see it in His Word. Holy Spirit has, has put it in your heart. People around you that you trust have come and, and, and acknowledged that, and you are going forward in it. So it establishes authority. The third thing it establishes quality. Vision establishes credibility. In Exodus, Moses is saying, But behold, they will not believe or listen to, to or obey my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared to you. What, what is he asking for? He's asking for credibility. See, when you have vision, you know what God has called you to do, and that vision establishes credibility. People will say, Well, who do you think you are? Who are you? 
Everybody wants credibility. But when you have vision, God begins to give that to you. Because as you will act out in faith, walking in that vision and that purpose in your life, you're going to get credibility. You know, I started ministry when I was uh, 19 years old. I was still in Bible college, but I was still working. I was working in, as a youth pastor part-time. And I mean, I mean, it was hard to, um, to do ministry because I was so young. And I wasn't married at the time, and um, it was just hard. And I wasn't, you know, I'm young. I, I make mistakes, you know. And so it was, it was even harder, and people would not. I had, I had youth that were in my youth group that was almost as old as I am. And listen, if I, if I didn't have a vision... Because that vision established credibility, established authority, and established my identity. I knew who I was. I would have gave up because everybody else was giving up on me. You know, my first youth group, I totally failed at. I mean, I started, I started with 20 and ended it with zero. I mean, if you don't have vision when you have that, you, you think, man, I'm not called for this. But I had vision. I knew I was called. And I knew, I knew I, of course, I, I made some mistakes. I didn't. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't know how to gather people, right? But, but man, I kept on, I kept on believing, I kept on pushing through. It's so important. And the Lord began to give, as I started walking out that vision, the Lord began to build credibility in me where people started to want to follow me. Because not only that, it, vision establishes credibility, but number four, it also establishes the ability. Vision establishes ability. Moses had a habit of saying, I am not, I cannot, or choose somebody else. He didn't believe in himself. In Exodus 4.10, Moses says, O Lord, I am not eloquent or a man of words, neither before nor since you have spoken to me, your servant, for I am slow of speech and have a heavy and awkward tongue. In other words, he's talking about his inability. But look at verse 12. God says, Now therefore go, I will give you... Uh, your mouth in, in chapter four, excuse me, verse twelve. I will get, I will be your mouth, and I will teach you what to say. God, God is always emphasizing His ability on you, and as you step out in faith, and as Moses stepped out in faith, that's what happened. He had the ability of God, and the ability of God was what made the difference in his life. When you capture the vision of God, you will also be imparted to God. God will impart to you God's ability, His divine ability to get the job done. And I had to continue. I had to step out in faith and ministry always. And I, I didn't always have the ability personally in my, if I just looked at myself. But I continued. And see, that's what ability does. You just step out in faith and He starts giving you something even greater. See, church... We are at a point that we need to continue in our vision and to increase in our vision, not just corporately, but personally. But you need to step out in faith. It's not about your ability. God didn't choose you because you were good enough. Right? He chose you because He knows you will be faithful. So step out in faith and allow His ability to come. And the fifth thing that vision does, the fifth quality, is vision establishes courage. In Exodus, you see all these obstacles that Moses faced when, when God called him to fulfill his vision. His inability to perform, to speak, his age, but God ignored all of that and gave Moses courage. In verse 18, chapter 4, and Moses went. I love that. Moses went. You know, our, our friend Jimmy Bratcher, who, who I'll be speaking here in November, 
Um, he has a, he has a, a, um, a message that he, he does, and he says, he says, the gift of showing up. Just show up. Some, some of us just need to show up. God says, go, go. Moses went. He showed up. I mean, he, he was still, he, now listen, he wasn't fully uh, understanding his own ability. He wasn't fully established in his authority. He wasn't fully established yet in his identity. But he went. He went anyway. He got vision of what God wanted him to do, and Moses went. That means vision establishes courage to do what God told you to do. When, you know, when I get discouraged, I take out my vision. And I start speaking it. I get out the vision of the cornerstone, and I start speaking it all over. I get loud when I start doing that. You don't have to get loud, by the way, to get God's attention. It's just who I am. I mean, you can be very quiet and get God's attention, but I, I get loud. And so I'll start walking. I'll start praying. It gives me courage. I love it to go after what God says is yours. Sometimes, I don't know where you're at, and, you're, and maybe God's given you a vision, but you feel discouraged in it. You feel, God, is this ever going to happen? Listen, get it out and start speaking it as if, as if it's already done. Amen? As if it's already done. And the sixth thing that vision established because of this, it establishes boldness. In Exodus 5.1 says, Afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. Now let, let me tell you something. When Moses first started, he started saying, Let God's people go. It's totally changed now. He only, not only took ownership of the vision, but it's about he got boldness. And not putting things off of them. God says, oh, it's, it's God who's telling me to do it. No, God's told me to do it, but it's me too. Let my people go. Vision established boldness. And this is not the same man who started out saying, I'm not. I can't do this. Ask someone else. You know, he's boldly declaring to Pharaoh, you let my people go. The word says in Philippians 1.14, says that most of the brethren have derived fresh confidence in the Lord because of my change and are much more bold to speak in public fearlessly the word of God. Boldness. Vision establishes boldness. And the last one, the last quality that vision establishes perseverance. You know, I noticed something about Moses' tenacity, his perseverance. God instructed him to approach Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Pharaoh didn't do it, didn't listen to him. And that's the thing I see in, in, in vision from the Lord sometimes. It doesn't always happen when you first step out. How many ever uh, seen that? It, it's not always like that. We like it like that, and sometimes it does happen. But it doesn't always happen. So, Fer- so uh, Moses stepped out to Pharaoh, and, and Pharaoh said, no, get out of here. I'm not going to listen to you. Let my people go. No. See, what vision does, it establishes perseverance. It establishes a no-quit attitude. And what happened? He won. It happened. He seized a dream that God gave him because of perseverance. Hebrews 12, 1 said, let us run this race with patient endurance and steady and active perseverance, says in the Amplified. The appointed course of the race that is set before us. We all have a purpose. We all have a calling in life. And God expects us to fulfill it. But when you, when you start out in vision, I mean, it'll establish perseverance. And you just keep on. You keep on breaking. There's a dam that's going to that's gonna break loose. And the floodgates are going to just come out. I mean, you're going you're gonna to open up 
everything and the harvest is going to come. What you've been praying for is going to come. What you've been believing God for is going to come. You just got to keep on hitting at that down. Amen. Amen? You just got to keep on hitting at it. Keep on going to it. Keep on going to Pharaoh in your life. Keep on going to it and say, let my people go. Let my money go. Let my ability go. Let my son go. Let my daughter go. Whatever it is, you keep on. Vision establishes perseverance. And no matter what comes uh, before you and the trials and the heartache and the, and the hurt and the pain, it doesn't matter. It just makes it even sweeter when it happens. Amen? Because that vision is yet for an appointed time. It will come. It's going to come. And I love that. We all have that purpose. Vision is so important and that you and I have that. And if you don't have one today, I mean, I can't give it to you. You know, people want me to give them vision. For them. I'm just not going to step in there. That is not my place. Um, I'm not going to give you vision. God's got to give that to you. I'll help you with that. I'll help you pray, and I'll help you hear from the Holy Spirit. But that's what you need to do, is get, get on your face and say, God, what, what do you, why am I here? And ask the Lord. And start writing things down. And then get with your small group. Get with somebody you trust. Come, you know, meet with me. I'll help you with it. I love this. This is what I love more than anything, seeing you walk. The vision of God in your life. Let's let's talk about it. Get some people around you to talk talk to you. Because that's what God wants. He wants us to establish that. And I I believe that. Because that's really some of what God's called us here at Cornerstone to do. As corporately. So let's talk about Cornerstone real fast. I'm going to do more about this in the coming weeks. but, But who are we as a church corporately? You know, one thing I know is that, you know, vision leaks, and we need to understand this over and over again. So some things you, you hear about from us all the time, you hear a phrase from us because um, we want everyone to know it, that one of our main vision here is helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to move from that. That's who we are. If, if uh, and you know, what I said, a vision really gives you boundaries, right? If, if what, we, what we do does not have some way of helping people become fully developed fathers of Christ, guess what? We're not going to be a part of it. And, uh, well, this other church is doing it. Well, that's their vision. That's, that's maybe not ours. We have to be established in who we are. And so it has to, we want to help every single person that we see, not only here, everyone we see out in the mall. Now, when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about a corporate organization. I'm talking about you and I, okay? And so everyone we see in our, in our city, everyone we see in our, in, in our grocery store, everywhere we go in our workplace, in our, in our neighborhoods, that should be our goal, is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And uh, so what does that look like? And let, let me tell you what a fully devoted follower of Christ looks like. Number one, they're committed to God. They have a passion for God that, that draws them to Him and that motivates them to, to live for Him. I mean, they're, they're passionate about Jesus. And, uh, and that passion is, is moving them. And so they're, they're committed to God and everything. They're, they want to know His Word, and we have a lot of those people in this body. Number two, they're co- competent in the Word. That means not, not, not only they're informed. You can be informed and not, be, and not do anything. But you're not only informed, but you're transformed. You're being transformed by the Word daily. 
You understand the word, you're learning, you're, you're reading, you're studying, but it's not just for here, it's for here. You're being transformed into what the word says you need to be. Number three, you're consistent in your walk. You're constantly living out your faith in every area of your life. You're consistent. Now, I'm not saying perfect, right? No one, none of us are here perfect. I'm talking about consistency. That you're being consistent in your walk with Christ. And number four, that you're connected to the body. That you're experiencing deep, transparent relationships and genuine commitment to the body of Christ. Every one of us need each other. And so you're having that. And that's, that's part of being a, a follower of Christ. You can't take that out of it. You cannot be a loner as a Christian. Right? Come on, say Amen. You can't be a loner. You have to have a relationship with the body in some way. So we, 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 we love that. And so you're connected to the body. Number five, you're commissioned for ministry. Every one of you are called to ministry. Maybe not full-time ministry, maybe not on a stage, but you are going to minister to somebody. So you're regularly using your talents and your spiritual gifts to, in the power of the Spirit to serve the body of Christ. So you're, all, you're looking, God, God, what is my giftings? And you want that. If you don't know your giftings, we have a gift test. We can help you with that. So you're, you're, you're committed to ministry. And number six, you're compassionate for the lost. You're not one of those who are pointing your finger at, at people who are sinners. No. You're going after them. You're loving them, right? You're befriending them. You're getting to know them. You're not the one who's on Facebook judging everybody what they're doing. Come on, someone say amen. You're praying for them. You're believing God for them. They're sinners. You know what sinners do? They sin. They have no ability not to. They're going to sin in some way. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit like you and I. They're going to do those things. They're going to think differently. It's okay. Show them the love of Christ. You're compassionate, so you have a lifestyle that makes both, both personal and corporate evangelism a high priority. And number seven, you're full of the Holy Spirit. I love that. Acts 6, 5 says, And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. I love that. So the focus of our church is people. It's healthy people. It's people who are fully devoted to Christ are becoming healthy. And, uh, and, and you see the real key to really having a great church is that we'll, we're balanced in all these things that produce a fully devoted follower of Christ. And a lot of times people ask me, Sean, what's the vision of Cornerstone? And, and they really want to hear um, buildings. A lot of people want to hear, what, what kind of buildings are you going to build? And, and, you know, we have vision for buildings. That's not a problem. I have a whole dream that the Lord gave me. Uh, a couple, couple years, number of years ago, about a building. I'll share that one day, maybe. But, um, but uh, it's, our, our our vision isn't buildings. Our vision is people. You know, we have a vision for buildings. They're going to come, but our vision is building people and using buildings, not the other way around. We're not. We don't have a vision of building buildings and using people. And that's what a lot of times happen. I'm going to be honest with you. I have a lot of space up here. If you want more space, then you just pay for it, and we'll build a building. Okay. But I'm, I'm, we're about building people. See, everything that we do is about loving God and loving others. We're a safe 
place. We're a light for healing. We're a place of sending, a place of training, a place of worship, a, a leadership factory. And it's all about developing fully devoted followers of Christ. And so wh- whoever comes in this place, that's what we see. We have vision for every single person. I see every one of you as a leader, as one who's fully devoted to him and acting in all those, those, those categories, that you're committed to God. That no matter if you're not, I have faith for you. I believe in you. If you, you could be the worst sinner in, in this area, worst person. You could be cursing God, but I believe in you. I have faith for you. That God is going to transform you, and you're going to allow him to transform you and to move forward. And that's what we want. We want everyone to have that. And that's what our whole heart is, is to really build people up so they would, would, would come in here and serve the Lord and serve the Lord in this area and be lifted out. You know, Luke chapter 3, verse 18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to, uh, to proclaim deliverance to the captives and recovery sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the heart that's really in this place is to see you be successful in everything that God's called you to do. You know, the Lord gave Lisa and I this verse, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, actually 14 through 21, a um, number of years ago. And this says this, and listen to this. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's our heart. That's a fully devoted followers of Christ who knows that, who knows how to go about that. And that Christ is dwelling in you and the, his spirit is dwelling in you and you are rooted and grounded in love and by faith you can comprehend with all the saints what's the width, the length, the depth, uh, the, the height of the knowledge of Christ and that you're filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that good? And that's our heart here at Cornerstone is to see that happen in you and through you and so that you can do that and, and multiply that to other people around you. You know, the Lord, a number of years ago, gave me a dream that, that rockets were going to take off from here, and they were hitting in, in different areas of our, our community, and um, some of them were church plants, some of them were just our small groups, people, they're exploding wherever they hit, and they're exploding, and it was producing glory for the Lord, and that's our heart, is to send out people and to do everything. So how do we do this? And this is what I, I want to get to today. And we're going to talk more about this in the next coming four weeks because it's so important for us. How do we make people, help people become deve- uh, fully devoted followers in Christ? I can't force you by one, number one. I, you, you have to be willing, okay? Um, if you just come here on Sundays, it's just, you're just not going to just get it all, okay? You have to do other things, okay? Number one, this is how we do that. this. And it, it can start from, uh, from per- somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Number one, believing in Jesus. This is our win. We win people to the Lord. People that make decisions to follow Christ. 
And we, and we do that through our services, our outreach, our missions, one-on-one small groups. But it's not only about making a decision, it's knowing the name. It's having the relationship. I'm going to talk more about this next week. There's something a lot deeper than that. It's not just about, oh yeah, we, 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 we have you know, this number of people. It's, it's about long-term with us. It's about knowing Christ. Knowing the power of His name. And uh, so Jesus didn't want you just to make a decision and, and go off and not change. There is something more powerful about being a believer. And so we want you to know that. But the first thing is, is believing in Jesus. This is our win. This is how we do it. We, we win people to the Lord. And number two, um, and a lot of times they, they, they may have fallen away from the Lord, but they come back. That's our win there. They're coming back to Jesus. Number two is that we get them not only to believe in Jesus, to believe in His name, but also belong to a family. Belong to the family. We connect them. So it's winning and it's connecting. It's, 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 we connect them to our family. And we, we want people to make decisions follow Christ. And when they do, they need, they need to know they become part of a family. So we connect them. And connecting them in a family, we are protecting them. You know, one of the things that happens with, with uh, new believers is that when they go out, they have the enemy come and try to tell them that nothing happened. How many has ever had that when you, when you got saved, you know? And so what we want to do is provide protection around them. We want to get people who love the Lord around them. So we connect them, and we connect them through a number of different ways, through our growth tracks, through serving. Um, they can uh, serve um, through small groups, through fellowships. We connect them. And it's so important to connect them to us, you and I. And in fact, one of, the, one of the most natural ways of seeing, helping this world and winning this world to Christ is that you go out and you get them saved. You bring them in and we connect them. There's a natural flow and you begin to move to the next step, which is number three, is discipleship. It's not only that we belong to family, that we become a disciple. This is our training. And we do that through one-on-one. You know, discipleship is not just Bible study. Discipleship is one-on-one. It's a mentorship. Is that I'm walking alongside of you. Now, it does have teaching, does have a lot of that. We have, we have a number of ways we do that. We have our, our Bible college. We have, our, we have a thing that we're starting in the second week of, of uh, October. It's called our School of Leaders. And uh, it's a uh, three-level, and I'll talk more about that uh, next week. But it's three levels, and one, the first level is um, we're going to learn doctrine. But you're also, there's one hour of doctrine, there's teaching. There's one hour of training on being a leader. What does it mean to lead people? Because it's not just about, you know, I give you everything. You need to learn how to lead. You understand the, the, the qualities of a leader and what does it mean to lead and what the Bible says about leading. So if you want to be a small group leader here, you want to be a ministry group leader, you've got to go through school of leaders. So each level is six weeks long. It starts the second week of uh, October on a Wednesday night here. And I'll be teaching that. And each level, you go through level one, level two, and after level two, you can start your own ministry. You can start your own cell, small group because you've been trained. And level three, is, uh, you'll go into later, um, is, is a lot deeper understanding about leadership. So we want to train people. We not only want to win them, and we don't want them just to come to church. I'm going to be honest with you. If I have more people in our small groups than I have coming on Sunday, I'll be happy. That means we're doing, the, we're doing a good job, amen? Because people are being discipled. They're being connected. I love that. 
So it's, it's, it's believe, getting them to believe in Jesus, getting them to belong to the family, and becoming a disciple. And number four is to build the kingdom. That's what our send. That means we send them out to do a ministry. We send them out to plant a church. We send them out to start a small group. That's, that's, that's where I get really excited about. Is that we're sending and we have fruit that will remain. That's what Jesus told us to do. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all that I've commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, our vision is to send people all around this city, our region, our nation, and the world, doing what God has called them to do, to be that leader. So to us, we see you as a leader, every one of you. We see you as somebody as being a disciple. You're not just here to get come and just get a great worship on and get your word on and then go out and live for yourself. That's not what we're all about here. We're about you becoming fully devoted follower of Christ. That means you are going to do what God's called you to do and be who God's called you to be. And we're all about that and helping you do that and empowering you to be that here in this, in this area. So our goal is to train up thousands of leaders, thousands, to go out and do what God's called us to do. Doing really John chapter four, uh, excuse me, John chapter thirteen, verse thirty-four. Those who were scattered, listen to this, went everywhere preaching the word. Philip went to Samaria, preached Christ, and the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And there was great joy in that city. Man, listen, church. I want that to happen. And what it says there in Acts, part of Acts. I want God just to really change our city. That there's going to be great joy in our city. There's going to be great joy in the homes. And how's that going to happen? It's going to happen because us as believers decide to be who God's called us to be. And to be discipled. To be trained. You know, and to be sent out. That we're going to win this world. We're going to win the loss. And just as, as Christine was talking about, there are so many hurting people who need that in their lives. And guess what? Jesus called you and I what? The light of the world. The salt of the earth. Amen? So we are his representatives. So in the next coming weeks, I'm going to break down each one of those four. Why is it important for us? Why does God say we need to do that? Why is it important for us to be a part of it? And how that really can set us free in our own lives. And this is what I've seen with people. I've been in ministry since 1990. So 27 years. I've seen this. And um, I've seen uh, when people start activated and walking in the vision that God's given to them. They, are more, they, they become freer. They have more joy. They see more of God's miracles happen in their life and through them. And they see the blessing of God on their lives in every area. This is, this is so important for you to activate that. It's really us just really stepping out in faith and saying, God, I'm, I'm willing to do what you've called me to do and be who you called me to be. And I'm not going to settle any longer. I'm going to love you and I'm going to love others and that's going to change me. And that's what God wants to see. 
And a lot of times we don't think we're able or we're capable. That was like Moses. And he didn't feel like he was able. He was capable. He was looking at his inability. But God doesn't look at that. He knows you. He made you. And he's called you. And he's gifted you. He's anointed you to do something great for him. To be who he's called you to be in the city, in your neighborhood, in your home. Amen? And that's where it starts. It does start with your home. And God's going to raise you up to do that. And so I want you to pray. I want you to, to begin to pray, God, give me vision. Give me your word. What are you calling me? Who are you calling me to be? And watch God just start opening up the door of heaven and flooding in to you what he sees in you, what he sees you doing, how he's going to work through you, and what he wants you to accomplish. Amen? And start believing that more than anything else. Amen? Bow your heads. Close your eyes.